0: This is William Woods. I am in Sun Valley, Arizona. I was amazed when I looked at the calendar to find out that Holy Week starts in about three weeks, and Resurrection Sunday is four weeks, and I thought, my goodness, I probably should do something to uh, praise God and express our interest in, in the resurrection and in all the things that entailed the Easter story. I want to talk today about blood. Hebrews chapter nine twelve through fourteen he entered once for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and calves but by means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, Indeed, under the law almost everything is purified with blood. And without this shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins i was reading about missionary dr paul brand who was a world-renowned orthopedic specialist and leprosy surgeon he said his career in medicine traces back to one dreary night in Connaught hospital in east london hospital orderlies wheeled a beautiful young woman into his ward she had lost a lot of blood in an accident Blood drained from her skin, leaving her an unearthly pale color. Her oxygen-starved brain had shut down into the unconscious mode. Otherwise, In other words, she was in a coma. The hospital staff lurched into their controlled panic response to the patient near death. A, cur- a nurse dashed for a blood transfusion bottle, while a doctor fumbled with the apparatus to get the transfusion going. They couldn't detect any pulse on her cold limp wrists she looked like a wax museum exhibit or a marble statue in a cathedral her lips were pale only a few freckles stood out against her pallor she didn't seem to be breathing having long before passed through the desperate phase of heaving breathing paul brand just knew she was dead The nurse arrived with a bottle of blood, which she buckled into a high metal stand as the doctor punctured the woman's veins with a large needle. They mounted the bottle high and were using an extra long tube so that the increase of pressure would push the blood into her body faster. The staff told Paul to watch over the emptying bottle as they hurried off for more blood nothing in his memory could compare to the excitement of what happened next he nervously held her wrist and suddenly he felt the faintest throb of a pulse he thought it might be his own pulse paul searched again it was there barely perceptible the next bottle of blood arrived and was quickly connected a spot of pink appeared on her cheek and spread into a beautiful flesh Her lips darkened pink, then red, and her eyelids fluttered, and at last her eyes opened. She squinted at first and then looked directly at Paul. To his surprise, she asked for water. Paul Brand was so amazed, he became a missionary doctor and served for years in India and Louisiana as a result of this wonderful experience. It's a beautiful thing to receive life from another person a transfusion is a close image of what jesus does for us blood that mysterious red fluid that flows in every one of us life is in the blood a blood transfusion is actually a transference of life i remember being told that i had needed two pints of blood during my back surgery the last surgery i had Jehovah's Witnesses think the soul is in the blood. Not the soul, but the life. Blood supplies the body cells with food, oxygen, and sustains bodily functions. Blood also fights disease that enters the body and assists in getting rid of waste products. Blood circulates through the body twice every minute. As the heart pumps blood... Through the network of arteries, capillaries, and veins, every cell in the body is continually supplied and cleansed. No part of the flesh can live without being in contact with this throbbing stream of life. Most adults have five to seven quarts of blood made up of plasma, corpuscles, and platelets. Every cubic millimeter of blood, that would be the speck the size of a pinhead, has approximately 5,500,000 living cells. Well, when I read that, I was amazed because of what I have to do to prick my finger and check my blood sugar every day and to think about how many living cells are there. Cells live 110 to 120 days. The body makes about 2 million new cells every second to replace cells which have died. Good whole blood is in demand. Every time there's a cataclysmic event, the call goes out for blood. I've known of men who uh, sell blood for money at at plasma centers in in downtown and most big cities. Scientists still haven't unlocked the secret of what gives life to blood. Only God knows this information. But one thing is clear. Blood is the essential ingredient of life. Without blood, we die. When man sinned, he learned firsthand that the wages of sin is death. Now, there's three kinds of death. There's a spiritual death where we are dead in trespasses and sins and and uh, have not really communicated with God as we should. There's physical death. You've been to a funeral and you've seen a friend or an acquaintance there in the casket. Uh, life is no longer there. It's just a dead corpse. And then there's the eternal death. A death, where for all eternity, you'll be separated from God. Death means separation. Man became spiritually dead or separated from God uh, in the Garden of Eden. That's why most non-Christians, though, don't understand spiritual truths. God created a plan so man might be forgiven of his rebellious sin and restored to fellowship with God but it involved the giving of life the shedding of blood again hebrews nine twenty two indeed under the law almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins The Old Testament book of Exodus tells us that in Egypt, when the death angel passed over the houses of the soon-to-be-liberated Israelites in the tenth plague that came when Moses was battling with Pharaoh, said there had to be a lamb or goat's blood on the doorpost for the protection of the people inside the house sacrifices in the old testament required the shedding of innocent blood from an unblemished animal for forgiveness of sin on the annual day of atonement the high priest would sprinkle the blood of a young bull on the mercy seat on the ark of the covenant to atone for his own sin and the sin of his household Then two goats were chosen, one was killed as a sacrifice for the sins of the people, and the other would be turned loose in the wilderness as a scapegoat, bearing the sins of the nation. You know, life is in the blood. Life had to be poured out because of the wages of sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Millions of innocent animals died to atone for man's sin. This served as a visual reminder for the nation of the seriousness of sin and drove home the fact that the wages of sin is death. Take note, sin is nothing to play with, it is deadly. But the sacrifice uh, deaths of millions of animals still didn't solve the problem. purify our conscience from dead works to serve a living god animal blood sacrifice for sin was only temporary it had to be repeated again and again and again the substitute shedding of blood didn't bring fellowship between god and man on a permanent basis as god desired and as man needed Somehow, a blood sacrifice must be made that would satisfy eternal justice once and for all. Innocent, sinless blood must be shed for man's sin. A perfect human life must be poured out in death and in sacrifice. Man couldn't provide that sacrifice because of the sinful nature that's in man, but God could provide it. God could become man and shed his own perfect sinless blood once and for all time for all men and women. And that's exactly what happened. John 3:16 through 18 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of god an ugly hideous instrument of torture and shame and death the cross became an altar before god in which christ poured out his life in sacrifice and love for us and there was no other way used to have a friend that said there must have been another way. If there had been another way, God would have used it. There'd be no other sacrifice required. We need only accept what was done for us by Jesus Christ and we'll have eternal life. It is now our choice whether we want to accept the payment for our sin that's been provided for us or we want to pay for our own sins in eternal death which would mean eternity in hell. You don't want to go there. If I invited you to an expensive restaurant and you knew that you couldn't afford to pay your bill and I offered to pay for you, you'd be silly not to let me. God's done that in payment for your sins. How foolish not to accept his love and sacrifice gratefully. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Blood is so important to the body. The heart is the center of the blood circulatory system. It becomes the epitome of life. The term is used this way hundreds of times in the Bible to show the total personality of man. Matthew 15:19 says for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witnesses, sl- or false witness, slander. Joel chapter 2, verse 13, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Romans ten ten, 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved ezekiel 11:19, and i will give them one heart and a new spirit i will put within them i will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh dr christian bernard the first physician to perform open heart surgery or heart transplant excuse me was showing the old heart to his patient the patient said i'm glad i don't have that old heart anymore the truth is, we're no better than our heart, whether we're talking body or soul. Where the heart is weak and the blood diseased, life is in danger. But where the heart is strong and the blood is pure, life is full of health and joy. Jesus said in Matthew eighteen three, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Saturday night is bath night for little Toby. It's a big production. Both his parents are involved. Mommy draws the bath water and makes sure it's the right temperature. Daddy brings the little guy and sets him in the tub. While Mama scrubs him, Daddy holds him to make sure he doesn't flop over, a job which gets easier by the week. But remember, tiny bodies are very slippery, so Daddy has to be very careful not to drop the little boy. How much of the work does Toby do? None. None at all. His primary concern is to kick his little legs as much as possible and see how big a splash he can make and how wet he can get his mommy and daddy. But he doesn't do any of the cleaning. It occurred to me that we as adults ought to take this to heart when we think of Jesus' words in Matthew 18.3 Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who enter the kingdom of heaven are not the ones who got themselves all cleaned up. It's those who, with no ability of their own to clean themselves, must rely on God to do the cleaning. In the Old Testament, after his sin with Bathsheba, then the murder of Uriah, david didn't say let me get myself cleaned up god instead acknowledging his inability to cleanse his own sin he said wash me and i shall be whiter than snow psalm 51 7. do for me what i cannot do for myself it's part of the beauty of the christian faith that we're not a fellowship of people who made ourselves clean enough for god we're helpless children who relied on god to do the cleansing don't fool yourself into thinking i can do it myself or i did it myself remember the humility with which you came to god helpless unable to clean yourself the moment we forget about the cross and the cleansing power of the blood of christ the moment we stop coming back to the cross with gratitude and humility that's the moment we cease to be like little children and let pride take over And when pride takes over, judgment of others is quick to follow remember the song what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount i know nothing but the blood of jesus the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life i don't want sin's wages i want life in his book written in blood robert coleman told the story of a little boy whose sister needed a blood transfusion the doctor explained to the, that she had the same disease that the boy had recovered from two years earlier. And her only chance for recovery was a transfusion from someone who had previously conquered the disease. Since the two children had the same rare blood type, the boy was the ideal donor. Would you give your blood to Mary? The doctor asked. Johnny hesitated. His lower lips started to tremble. Then he smiled and said, Sure, for my sister. Soon the two children were wheeled into the hospital room. Mary, pale and thin. Johnny, robust and healthy. Neither spoke, but when their eyes met, Johnny grinned. As the nurse inserted the needle into his arm, Johnny's smile faded. He watched the blood flow through the tube. Then the ordeal was almost over. His voice slightly shaky broke the silence doctor when do i die only then did the doctor realize why johnny hesitated and why his lip had trembled when he agreed to donate his blood he'd thought giving his blood to his sister meant giving up his life in that brief moment he'd made a great decision johnny fortunately didn't have to die to save his sister Each of us, however, has a condition more serious than Mary's, and it required Jesus to give not just his blood, but his life. You know, when I pastored Deer Valley Church the Nazarene in Phoenix, we hosted the annual pastor's retreat for the Nazarene Indian pastors out on several different reservations. One pastor told about an Indian village across the border in Mexico. He said, an 80-year-old man living there got saved the old man and his wife moved next to the church because he wanted his wife to run a rope from his house to the church so when his eyesight failed he could still go hear those wonderful words of life listen the precious blood of god's son has been shed and the price has been paid to redeem you from sin Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Why wouldn't you accept this free gift and gain eternal life? I found a poem that I, I love. Can you hear it dripping? Dripping crimson, splashing color into a livid world dripping warmth over a frigid social system, dripping life into the walking corpses of the 21st century's aching vacuum. Steadily, it falls from the massy wooden beams of the cross. Two hundred decades have not arrested its incessant flow. Tyrants and wars have not plugged the supply. Steadily, it drips in divine rhythm of redemption. Stop the Niagara, if you must, but you'll never stop the drops of eternal love. They flow while one heart yet knows how to hate. My friend, have you stopped to think about how much Jesus loves you, that he was willing to step out of heaven and step into a human form here on the earth, take on your sins because you were helpless, and shed his pure blood so that you might be forgiven of your sins and have eternal life? If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I believe you ought to say, Lord, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and help me to live for you. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I would invite you today to take advantage of the fact that God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten Son that you might be saved and have eternal life let's pray dear father i pray for those today that are listening that you'll help each one to do some heart searching if they've not accepted you as their personal savior i would ask jesus that this would be the day that the holy spirit would nudge them they would confess their sins to you and accept you as their personal savior and be part of the family of god Maybe, Lord, people that have been listening, some of them have gotten careless in their Christian walk. And I pray, Father, that they will come to you and ask for forgiveness and recommit their lives for you and let you fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we today want to say thank you for shedding your blood on the tree for us that we might have eternal life, and we praise you for that. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Listen. If you want to get in touch with me, again, remember my email address is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. Or you can text me on this phone number and uh, I would get the text. Or if you wanted to write to me, you can write to me at Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, eight six zero two nine. And I want to remind you, I have this sermon and many other sermons that I've preached on my website. The website is uh, church, The Church of the Galilean, all small letters and all run together like one word, thechurchofthegalilean.com. And I, I'm praying that God will somehow help you to, to find victory in your life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, until next time, God bless you. I'll talk to you some other time next week. God bless you.